0: chapter four of washington and his comrades in arms by george wrong this librivox recording is in the public domain the loss of new york washington's success at boston had one good effect it destroyed tory influence in that puritan stronghold new england was henceforth of a temper wholly revolutionary and new england tradition holds that what its people think today other americans think tomorrow but in the summer of this year seventeen seventy six though no serious foe was visible at any point in the revolted colonies a menace haunted every one of them the british had gone away by sea by sea they would return on land armies move slowly and visibly but on the sea a great force may pass out of sight and then suddenly reappear at an unexpected point this is the haunting terror of sea power already the british had destroyed falmouth now portland maine and norfolk the principal town in virginia washington had no illusions of security he was anxious above all for the safety of new york commanding the vital artery of the hudson which must at all costs be defended accordingly in april he took his army to new york and established there his own headquarters even before washington moved to new york three great british expeditions were nearing america one of these we have already seen at quebec another was bound for charleston to land there an army and to make the place a rallying centre for the numerous but harassed loyalists of the south the third and largest of these expeditions was to strike at new york and by a show of strength bring the colonists to reason and reconciliation if mildness failed, the british intended to capture new york sail up the hudson and cut off new england from the other colonies the squadron destined for charleston carried an army in command of a fine soldier lord cornwallis destined later to be the defeated leader in the last dramatic scene of the war in may this fleet reached wilmington north carolina and took on board two thousand men under general sir henry clinton who had been sent by howe from boston in vain to win the carolinas and who now assumed military command of the combined forces admiral sir peter parker commanded the fleet and on the fourth of june he was off charleston harbor parker found that in order to cross the bar he would have to lighten his larger ships this was done by the laborious process of removing the guns which of course he had to replace when the bar was crossed on the twenty eighth of june parker drew up his ships before fort moultrie in the harbor he had expected simultaneous aid by land from three thousand soldiers put ashore from the fleet on a sandbar but these troops could give him no help against the fort from which they were cut off by a channel of deep water a battle soon proved the british ships unable to withstand the american fire from fort moultrie late in the evening parker drew off with two hundred and twenty-five casualties against an american loss of thirty-seven the check was greater than that of bunker hill for there the british took the ground which they attacked the british sailors bore witness to the gallantry of the defence we never had such a drubbing in our lives one of them testified only one of parker's ten ships was seaworthy after the fight it took him three weeks to refit and not until the fourth of august did his defeated ships reach new york a mighty armada of seven hundred ships had meanwhile sailed into the bay of new york this fleet was commanded by admiral lord howe and it carried an army of thirty thousand men led by his younger brother sir william howe who had commanded at bunker hill the general was an able and well-informed soldier he had a brilliant record of service in the seven years war with wolfe in canada then in france itself and in the west indies in appearance he was tall dark and coarse his face showed him to be a free user of wine this may explain some of his faults as a general he trusted too much to subordinates he was leisurely and rather indolent yet capable of brilliant and rapid action in america his heart was never in his task he was member of parliament for nottingham and had publicly condemned the quarrel with america and told his electors that in it he would take no command he had not kept his word but his convictions remained it would be to accuse howe of treason to say that he did not do his best in america lack of conviction however affects action howe had no belief that his country was in the right in the war and this handicapped him as against the passionate conviction of washington that all was at stake which made life worth living the general's elder brother lord howe was another whig Who had no belief that the war was just he sat in the house of lords while his brother sat in the house of commons we rather wonder that the king should have been content to leave in whig hands his fortunes in america both by land and sea at any rate here were the Howes more eager to make peace than to make war and commanded to offer terms of reconciliation lord howe had an unpleasant face so dark that he was called black dick he was a silent awkward man shy and harsh in manner in reality however he was kind liberal in opinion sober and beloved by those who knew him best his pacific temper towards america was not due to a dislike of war he was a fighting sailor nearly twenty years later on june one seventeen ninety four when he was in command of a fleet in touch with the french enemy the sailors watched him to find any indication that the expected action would take place then the word went round we shall have the fight to-day black dick has been smiling they had it and how won a victory which makes his name famous in the annals of the sea by the middle of july the two brothers were at new york the soldier having waited at halifax since the evacuation of boston had arrived and landed his army on staten island on the day before congress made the declaration of independence which as now we can see ended finally any chance of reconciliation the sailor arrived nine days later lord howe was wont to regret that he had not arrived a little earlier since the concessions which he had to offer might have averted the declaration of independence in truth however he had little to offer humor and imagination are useful gifts in carrying on human affairs but george the third had neither he saw no lack of humor in now once more offering full and free pardon to a repentant washington and his comrades though john adams was accepted by name in repudiating the right to exist of the congress at philadelphia and in refusing to recognize the military rank of the rebel general whom it had named he was to be addressed in civilian style as george washington esq the king and his ministers had no imagination to call up the picture of high-hearted men fighting for rights which they held dear lord howe went so far as to address a letter to george washington esq etc etc and washington agreed to an interview with the officer who bore it in imposing uniform and with the stateliest manner washington who had an instinct for effect received the envoy the awed messenger explained that the symbols etc etc meant everything including of course military titles The Washington only said smilingly that they might mean anything, including, of course, an insult, and refused to take the letter. He referred to Congress, a body which Howe could not recognize the grave question of the address on an envelope, and Congress agreed that the recognition of his rank was necessary. There was nothing to do but to go on with the fight washington's army held the city of new york at the southerly point of manhattan island the hudson river separating the island from the mainland of new jersey on the west is at its mouth two miles wide the northern and eastern sides of the island are washed by the harlem river flowing out of the hudson about a dozen miles north of the city and broadening into the east river about a mile wide where it separates new york from Brooklyn heights on long island encamped on staten island on the south general howe could with the aid of the fleet land at any of half a dozen vulnerable points howe had the further advantage of a much larger force washington had in all some twenty thousand men numbers of them serving for short terms and therefore for the most part badly drilled howe had twenty-five thousand well-trained soldiers and he could in addition draw men from the fleet which would give him in all double the force of washington in such a situation even the best skill of washington was likely only to qualify defeat he was advised to destroy new york and retire to positions more tenable but even if he had so desired congress his master would not permit him to burn the city and he had to make plans to defend it brooklyn heights so commanded new york that enemy cannon planted there would make the city untenable accordingly washington placed half his force on long island to defend brooklyn heights and in doing so made the fundamental error of cutting his army in two and dividing it by an arm of the sea in presence of overwhelming hostile naval power on the twenty second of august howe ferried fifteen thousand men across the narrows to long island in order to attack the position on brooklyn heights from the rear before him lay wooded hills across which led three roads converging at brooklyn heights beyond the hills on the east a fourth road led round the hills In the dark of the night of the twenty sixth of august howe set his army in motion on all these roads in order by daybreak to come to close quarters with the americans and drive them back to the heights the movement succeeded perfectly the british made terrible use of the bayonet by the evening of the twenty seventh the americans who fought well against overwhelming odds had lost nearly two thousand men in casualties and prisoners six field pieces and twenty-six heavy guns the two chief commanders sullivan and Sterling, were among the prisoners and what was left of the army had been driven back to brooklyn heights howe's critics said that had he pressed the attack further he could have made certain the capture of the whole american force on long island criticism of what might have been is easy and usually futile it might be said of washington too that he should not have kept an army so far in front of his lines behind brooklyn heights facing a superior enemy and with for a part of it retreat possibly only by a single causeway across a marsh three miles long when he realized on the twenty eighth of august what how had achieved he increased the defenders of brooklyn heights to ten thousand men more than half his army this was another cardinal error british ships were near and but for unfavorable winds might have sailed up to brooklyn washington hoped and prayed that howe would try to carry brooklyn heights by assault then there would have been at least slaughter on the scale of bunker hill but howe had learned caution he made no reckless attack and soon washington found that he must move away or face the danger of losing every man on long island on the night of the twenty ninth of august there was clear moonlight with fog towards daybreak a british army of twenty five thousand men was only some six hundred yards from the american lines a few miles from the shore lay at anchor a great british fleet with it is to be presumed its patrols on the alert yet during that night ten thousand american troops were marched down to boats on the strand at brooklyn and with all their stores were carried across a mile of water to new york there must have been the splash of oars and the grating of keels orders given in tones above a whisper the complex sounds of moving bodies of men it was all done under the eye of washington we can picture that tall figure moving about on the strand at brooklyn which he was the last to leave not a sound disturbed the slumbers of the british an army in retreat does not easily defend itself boats from the british fleet might have brought panic to the americans in the darkness and the british army should at least have known that they were gone by seven in the morning the ten thousand american soldiers were for the time safe in new york and we may suppose that the two Howe's were asking eager questions and wondering how it had all happened Washington had shown that he knew when and how to retire. Long Island was his first battle, and he had lost. Now retreat was his first great tactical achievement. He could not stay in New York, and so sent at once the chief part of the army, withdrawn from Brooklyn to the line of the Harlem River at the north end of the island. He realized that his shore batteries could not keep the British fleet from sailing up both the east and the hudson rivers and from landing a force on manhattan island almost where it liked then the city of new york would be surrounded by a hostile fleet and a hostile army the Howes could have performed this manoeuvre as soon as they had a favorable wind there was we know great confusion in new york and washington tells us how his heart was torn by the distress of the inhabitants the british gave him plenty of time to make plans and for a reason we have seen that lord howe was not only an admiral to make war but also an envoy to make peace the british victory on long island might he thought make congress more willing to negotiate so now he sent to philadelphia the captured american general sullivan with the request that some members of congress might confer privately on the prospects for peace howe probably did not realize that the americans had the british quality of becoming more resolute by temporary reverses by this time too suspicion of every movement on the part of great britain had become a mania every one in congress seems to have thought that howe was planning treachery john adams accepted by name from british offers of pardon call sullivan a decoyed duck and as he confessed laughed scolded and grieved at any negotiation the wish to talk privately with members of congress was called an insulting way of avoiding recognition of that body in spite of this even the stalwart adams and the suave franklin were willing to be members of a committee which went to meet lord howe with great sorrow howe now realized that he had no power to grant what congress insisted upon the recognition of independence as a preliminary to negotiation there was nothing for it but war on the fifteenth of september the british struck the blow too long delayed had war been their only interest new york had to sit nearly helpless while great men-of-war passed up both the hudson and the east river with guns sweeping the shores of manhattan island at the same time general howe sent over in boats from long island to the landing at kipps bay near the line of the present thirty-fourth street an army to cut off the city from the northern part of the island washington marched in person with two new england regiments To dispute the landing and give him time for evacuation to his rage panic seized his men and they turned and fled leaving him almost alone not a hundred yards from the enemy a stray shot at that moment might have influenced greatly modern history for as events were soon to show washington was the mainstay of the american cause he too had to get away and howe's force landed easily enough meanwhile on the west shore of the island there was an animated scene the roads were crowded with refugees fleeing northward from new york these civilians howe had no reason to stop but there marched too out of new york four thousand men under israel putnam who got safely away northward only leisurely did howe extend his line across the island so as to cut off the city the story not more trustworthy than many other legends of war is that mrs murray living in a country house near what now is murray hill invited the general to luncheon and that to enjoy this pleasure he ordered a halt for his whole force generals sometimes do foolish things but it is not easy to call up a picture of how in the midst of a busy movement of troops receiving the lady's invitation accepting it and ordering the whole army to halt while he lingered over the luncheon table there is no doubt that his mind was still divided between making war and making peace probably putnam had already got away his men and there was no purpose in stopping the refugees in that flight from new york which so aroused the pity of washington as it was howe took sixty-seven guns by accident or it is said by design of the americans themselves new york soon took fire and one-third of the little city was burned after the fall of new york there followed a complex campaign the resourceful Washington was now, during his first days of active warfare, pitting himself against one of the most experienced of British generals Fleet and army were acting together. The aim of Howe was to get control of the Hudson and to meet halfway the advance from Canada by way of Lake Champlain, which Carleton was leading on the twelfth of October, when autumn winds were already making the nights cold. Howe moved he did not attack washington who lay in strength at the harlem that would have been to play washington's game instead he put the part of his army still on long island in ships which then sailed through the dangerous currents of hell gate and landed at throg's neck a peninsula on the sound across from long island washington parried this movement by so guarding the narrow neck of the peninsula leading to the mainland that the cautious Howe shrank from a frontal attack across a marsh after a delay of six days he again embarked his army landed a few miles above throg's neck in the hope of cutting off washington from retreat northward only to find washington still north of him at white plains a sharp skirmish followed in which Howe lost over two hundred men and washington only one hundred and forty washington masterly in retreat then withdrew still farther north among hills difficult of attack howe had a plan which made a direct attack on washington unnecessary he turned southward and occupied the east shore of the hudson river on the sixteenth of november took place the worst disaster which had yet befallen american arms fort washington lying just south of the harlem was the only point still held on manhattan island by the americans in modern war it has become clear that fortresses supposedly strong may be only traps for their defenders fort washington stood on the east bank of the hudson opposite fort lee on the west bank these forts could not fulfill the purpose for which they were intended of stopping british ships washington saw that the two forts should be abandoned but the civilians in congress who it must be remembered named the generals and had final authority in directing the war were reluctant to accept the loss involved in abandoning the forts and gave orders that every effort should be made to hold them green on the whole washington's best general was in command of the two positions and was left to use his own judgment on the fifteenth of november by a sudden and rapid march across the island howe appeared before fort washington and summoned it to surrender on pain of the rigors of war which meant putting the garrison to the sword should he have to take the place by storm the answer was a defiance and on the next day howe attacked in overwhelming force there was severe fighting the casualties of the british were nearly five hundred but they took the huge fort with its three thousand defenders and a great quantity of munitions of war howe's threat was not carried out there was no massacre across the river at fort lee the helpless washington watched this great disaster he had need still to look out for fort lee was itself doomed on the nineteenth lord cornwallis with five thousand men crossed the river five miles above fort lee general greene barely escaped with the two thousand men in the fort leaving behind one hundred and forty cannon stores tools and even the men's blankets on the twentieth the british flag was floating over fort lee and washington's whole force was in rapid flight across new jersey hardly pausing until it had been ferried over the delaware river into pennsylvania treachery now linked to military disaster made washington's position terrible charles lee horatio gates and richard montgomery were three important officers of the regular british army who fought on the american side montgomery had been killed at quebec the defects of gates were not yet conspicuous and lee was next to washington the most trusted american general the names washington and lee of the twin forts on opposite sides of the hudson show how the two generals stood in the public mind while disaster was overtaking washington lee had seven thousand men at north castle on the east bank of the hudson a few miles above fort washington blocking howe's advance farther up the river on the day after the fall of fort washington lee received positive orders to cross the hudson at once three days later fort lee fell and washington repeated the order lee did not budge he was safe where he was and could cross the river and get away into new jersey when he liked he seems deliberately to have left washington to face complete disaster and thus prove his incompetence then as the undefeated general he could take the chief command there is no evidence that he had intrigued with howe but he thought that he could be the peacemaker between great britain and america with untold possibilities of ambition in that role he wrote of washington at this time to his friend gates as weak and most damnably deficient nemesis however overtook him in the end he had to retreat across the hudson to northern new jersey here many of the people were tories lee fell into a trap was captured in bed at a tavern by a hard-riding party of british cavalry and carried off a prisoner obliged to bestride a horse in nightgown and slippers not always does fate appear so just in her strokes in december though the position of washington was very bad all was not lost the chief aim of howe was to secure the line of the hudson and this he had not achieved at stony point which lies up the hudson about fifty miles from new york the river narrows and passes through what is almost a mountain gorge easily defended here washington had erected fortifications which made it at least difficult for a british force to pass up the river moreover in the highlands of northern new jersey with headquarters at morristown general sullivan recently exchanged and general gates now had lee's army and also the remnants of the force driven from canada but in retreating across new jersey washington had been forsaken by thousands of men beguiled in part by the tory population discouraged by defeat and in many cases with the right to go home since their term of service had expired all that remained of washington's army after the forces of sullivan and gates joined him across the delaware and pennsylvania was about four thousand men howe was determined to have philadelphia as well as new york and could place some reliance on tory help in pennsylvania he had pursued washington to the delaware and would have pushed on across that river had not his alert foe taken care that all the boats should be on the wrong shore as it was howe occupied the left bank of the delaware with his chief post at trenton if he made sure of new jersey he could go on to philadelphia when the river was frozen over or indeed when he liked even the congress had fled to baltimore there were british successes in other quarters early in december lord howe took the fleet to newport soon he controlled the whole of rhode island and checked the american privateers who had made it their base the brothers issued proclamations offering protection to all who should within sixty days return to their british allegiance and many people of high standing in new york and new jersey accepted the offer howe wrote home to england the glad news of victory philadelphia would probably fall before spring and it looked as if the war was really over in this darkest hour washington struck a blow which changed the whole situation we associate with him the thought of calm deliberation now however was he to show his strongest quality as a general to be audacity at the battle of the marne in nineteen fourteen the french general foch sent the dispatch my center is giving way my right is retreating the situation is excellent i am attacking washington's position seemed as nearly hopeless and he too had need of some striking action a campaign marked by his own blundering and by the treachery of a trusted general had ended in seeming ruin pennsylvania at his back and new jersey before him across the delaware were less than half loyal to the american cause and probably willing to accept peace on almost any terms never was a general in a position where greater risk must be taken for salvation as washington pondered what was going on among the british across the delaware a bold plan outlined itself in his mind howe he knew had gone to new york to celebrate a triumphant christmas his absence from the front was certain to involve slackness it was germans who held the line of the delaware some thirteen hundred of them under colonel Rall at trenton two thousand under von denaub farther down the river bordentown and with germans perhaps more than any other people christmas is a season of elaborate festivity on this their first christmas away from home many of the germans would be likely to be off their guard either through homesickness or dissipation they cared nothing for either side there had been much plundering in new jersey and discipline was relaxed howe had been guilty of the folly of making strong the posts farthest from the enemy and weak those nearest to him he had indeed ordered to throw up redoubts for the defense of trenton but this as washington well knew had not been done for raul despised his enemy and spoke of the american army as already lost washington's bold plan was to recross the delaware and attack trenton there were to be three crossings one was to be against von donat at bordentown below trenton the second at trenton itself these two attacks were designed to prevent aid to trenton the third force with which washington himself went was to cross the river some nine miles above the town christmas day seventeen seventy six was dismally cold there was a driving storm of sleet and broad swollen stream of the delaware dotted with dark masses of floating ice offered a chill prospect to take an army with its guns across that threatening flood was indeed perilous gates and other generals declared that the scheme was too difficult to be carried out only one of the three forces crossed the river washington with iron will was not to be turned from his purpose he had skilled boatmen from new england the crossing took no less than ten hours and a great part of it was done in wintry darkness when the army landed on the new jersey shore it had a march of nine miles in sleet and rain in order to reach trenton by daybreak it is said that some of the men marched barefoot leaving tracks of blood in the snow the arms of some were lost and those of others were wet and useless but washington told them that they must depend the more on the bayonet he attacked trenton in broad daylight there was a sharp fight rawl the commander and some 70 men were killed and a thousand men surrendered even now washington's position was dangerous denop, with 2000 men lay only a few miles down the river had he marched at once on trenton as he should have done the worn out little force of washington might have met with disaster what bonaparte did when the alarm reached him was to retreat as fast as he could to princeton a dozen miles to the rear towards new york leaving behind his sick and all his heavy equipment meanwhile washington knowing his danger had turned back across the delaware with a prisoner for every two of his men when however he saw what von denop had done he returned on the twenty ninth to trenton sent out scouting parties and roused the country so that in every bit of forest along the road to princeton there were men dead shots to make difficult a british advance to retake trenton the reverse had brought consternation at new york lord cornwallis was about to embark for england the bearer of news of overwhelming victory now instead he was sent to drive back washington it was no easy task for cornwallis to reach trenton for washington's scouting parties and a force of six hundred men under green were on the road to harass him on the evening of the second of january however he reoccupied trenton this time washington had not recrossed the delaware but had retreated southward and was now entrenched on the southern bank of the little river assenpink which flows into the delaware reinforcements were following cornwallis that night he sharply cannonaded washington's position and was as sharply answered he intended to attack in force in the morning to the skill and resource of washington he paid the compliment of saying that at last he had run down the old fox then followed a manoeuvre which years after cornwallis a generous foe told washington was one of the most surprising and brilliant in the history of war there was another old fox in europe frederick the great of prussia who knew war if ever man knew it and he too from this movement ranked washington among the great generals the maneuver was simple enough instead of taking the obvious course of again retreating across the delaware washington decided to advance to get in behind cornwallis to try to cut his communications to threaten the british base of supply and then if a superior force came up to retreat into the highlands of new jersey there he could keep an unbroken line as far east as the hudson menace the british in new jersey and probably force them to withdraw to the safety of new york all through the night of january the second seventeen seventy seven washington's camp fires burned brightly and the british outposts could hear the sound of voices and of the spade and pickaxe busy in throwing up entrenchments the fires died down towards morning and the british awoke to find the enemy camp deserted washington had carried his whole army by a roundabout route to the princeton road and now stood between cornwallis and his base there was some sharp fighting that day near princeton washington had to defeat and get past the reinforcements coming to cornwallis he reached princeton and then slipped away northward and made his headquarters at morristown he had achieved his purpose the british with washington entrenched on their flank were not safe in new jersey the only thing to do was to withdraw to new york by his brilliant advance washington recovered the whole of new jersey with the exception of some minor positions near the sea he had changed the face of the war in london there was momentary rejoicing over howe's recent victories but it was soon followed by distressing news of defeat through all the colonies ran inspiring tidings there had been doubts whether after all washington was the heaven-sent leader now both america and europe learned to recognize his skill He had won a reputation, though not yet had he saved a cause chapter four.